Okay, we should be in business. Um, well, first off, uh, this is the first episode of Dano Says So, which is my attempt at podcasting and running a YouTube channel and learning how the modern world works when you can't go outside and just scream at people. Um, strategically, I chose to have Kevin Seconds, who most of us know, and if we don't, we will by the end of this, as the first guest. A, because he's part of my starting point in the counterculture, and B, because he's someone whose social conscience I trust and I believe would get a dialogue like this started off on the right note. So, uh, Kevin, thank you for doing this. Hey, thanks, Dan. I'm honored. I'm glad you're doing it. I, I actually am surprised it's taken you this long. I think you're perfect for this kind of shit. Fear of technology. <laughs> yeah, well, that stuff, you know, right. we can get around it. Okay, so that said, you know, um, you've got me by a few years, but we both got as much pepper as salt in the beard, right? No, um, I think I, I think I have you beat on that one. That's <laughs> well, you've also got me beat in terms of follow accounts. But uh, um, what I what I would ask is, uh, you know, we both grew up in music that was largely music of protest and it was music of social conscience. But have you ever seen the world like it is now? No. No, I mean. Uh, I, I was just talking out my wife, Alice and I were, we talk about this almost daily now where we just so, sort of check in and make sure that we're, we're hanging in there mentally. And, you know, because this is, uh, I mean, I'm 59. So I've seen, uh, you know, just in the world alone and just in, in the country alone, I've seen a lot of upheaval. And, and even when I was, my mom uh, was very sort of politically, she's pretty up on stuff. You know, she was a housewife, but she was also you know, Berkeley, you know, educated and, okay. and and a liberal and was kept up on stuff. And and as soon as I was old enough to be able to like be sat down and talked at politically, my mm -hmm. mom did that, which is, was always, you know, probably the biggest reason why I am who I am now. But uh, yeah, no, I don't think, uh, I don't think it's, I've ever seen or felt like this. Uh, it's yeah. just, uh, it's, it's completely crazy. Well, I sat um, back and I looked at it about a week ago and, uh, you and I are in the same decade, we're in our 50s, but I was a small kid when Nixon resigned, but I remember yeah. it, okay? Yeah. yeah. You were old enough to have been a kid who had probably developed a mouth by then, right? Right, right. Um, after that, you get Reagan years, you get Gulf War, you get a lot of crazy things that have happened in our lifetime, and a lot of objectable, objectionable American politics, Yeah. but nothing like now. No. I mean, my, my first being aware of, of like politics was – was the Reagan thing. And mm -hmm. actually it was, I, I, I've, I, I recall, uh, well, I won't go into that because that's long, but yeah, I, I think Reagan was like, or, I mean, I'm sorry, Nixon was my first, uh, where I really felt like, you know, the, the, the grand, <laughs> the, the hugeness of it, you know, like I, I'd see this, the, his image on the, on TV, but I always was just like, let's, let's pass, let's, change the channel get to something that's better but my mom and dad were always watching you know and i remember my mom trying to explain watergate to me because the hearings were on constantly when you know right. and i hated it it was just like uh i you know let's can't we watch you know three's company or whatever right. the fuck was on tv at the time and uh no it was later now but yeah um uh, you know, that, that all seemed heavy. And then the Vietnam War, I remember my parents talking about that and I knew a little mm -hmm. bit about it, but, uh, it wasn't really until, yeah, like Reagan and that my, my first, the first time I voted was Reagan. I voted for my first vote was for Mondale and uh, right. Mondale and, uh, um, what was her name? Um, I don't know. I still have the sticker Geraldine on my, Ferrero. 
Thank you. Thank yes. you. I still have an old Santa Cruz Dwayne Peters board, and I had this big sticker <laughs> of a big, how cool is that, right? Very, <laughs> Mondale Ferraro. Come on, some, me some tells me you're a potential eBay millionaire, but uh, <laughs> probably, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's an interesting thing. We get off on the note of Nixon, which, you know, congratulations, Dan and Kevin, you've immediately alienated anybody under 40. Um, <laughs> but what's interesting to me, and the reason I bring him up, first thing that I have clear memory contextual memory of it's like you know when they circled back during nixon frost the interviews right yeah yeah right right and the guy came off like emperor fucking palpatine he was a clear deceiver he was defensive he was dark he was yeah his sweaty in his voice right yeah he seems like an angel and a man we'd be lucky to have <laughs> compared to the guy in office now yeah yeah that's that's what i kind of hate it, it, because now all of these people that i grew up just detesting and and writing songs about, and you know, they were my. Now I have to say, you know, I I still hated their. I hate I hate their politics, but they were fairly reasonable. You know, they were right. they, they didn't seem in, completely insane. I mean, B, W B, seems like. I mean, he's still he's a dumbass, but he still seems like more thoughtful. Like well, he actually thinks through shit. You know. And, well, I got one for you. I think that cultural absurdity it used to be that if something was absurd, it just couldn't be taken seriously. If it was right. absurd on the face of it. It used to be thrown out. That's how you have the, something like the death of the Howard Dean campaign. You know, right, right, he right. yelled with a weird voice and suddenly he was a non-politician. Yeah, and ruined, you know, his, ruined his political career. <laughs> compared, <laughs> compared to, you know, grab him by the pussy. Yeah, yeah. You know, so absurdity is no longer a career kill. Yeah. You know, and bizarreness. And so what I was going to ask you, though, I just, don't just want to Trump batch here, but I actually have this thing where I wonder, I was a huge Obama fan but in the sense that I was a huge Clinton fan, and I know Bill Clinton was no angel, and no. probably not even really politically in sync with my true value system. Right. I've right. always been an admirer of political talent and fascinated by people who could work with a crowd within, the, within music, within everything. Right. And those were both two people that were extremely politically talented, right? Mm -hmm. There's yeah. a part of me that wonders, can you get to that office? Can you get to that office in this country without being a scumbag on someone? I, I've I've always thought you sort of have to be a, a bit of a scumbag just to want to do it, just because mm -hmm. it it speaks. Well, first of all, I mean you have to have such a tremendous ego, you know. And, and I I by nature just hate that. Like the minute I sense that it's somebody's got a gigantic ego, I just I retreat and I, I just can't stand it. But but yeah, I I I don't know. I I I want to believe. That I the, the 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 small bit of idealism that I still possess, I want to believe that there are there's somebody young that's you know coming up and that's going to do it, but uh, I just feel like the system is so flawed and so fucked up that I don't see how you survive. I don't I don't understand how you, you know how you if you're 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 gonna take somebody's money, somebody's evil money at some point, and it just uh, it's I don't well, see the, how you the Bernie model, which kind of jumped off of the off of the Obama model, is interesting with the massive amount of small donors yeah you know yeah, I, you yeah. were, I mean i'd be interested to, i know you were you know at least momentarily in closer pro proximity to that, that operation than most of us just by by opening a couple rallies i think it was yeah Did you get yeah. the vibe there that that massive ego wasn't a component or that that necessary scumbaggery we just mentioned was absolutely he's a, bernie's a freak i mean uh, i you know no i don't and and, and that's mm -hmm. the thing like my and i you know, voted for him two times and did a couple of rallies for him. And I, I, I think I would love for Bernie Sanders to, for, mm -hmm. for him to be the president. But I'm also, you know, like I'm, 
I'm so far, I don't even know if I'm far left anymore. I don't, you know, I used to think I was so far left that even mm-hmm. my, you know, fairly, you know, mainstreaming what, you know, d- Democrat friends would always sort of laugh at me. Now I don't know what I am because uh, <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It, 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 this, this time that we're living through right now is really, it, this is the first time in probably 15, 20 years where I felt deep, dark, hopelessness and depression like i have not felt like really? this and so yeah like i, I mean i've been depressed I, I get I've been, that i get that and i can relate to that but you never want to i never want to hear that about kevin seconds man right because i'm you know i'm so positive all the time i was gonna uh, say i'm so lucky you didn't just say fuck you right there <laughs> but anyway no but you know like it it just it it's the first time where i just uh I, I sometimes i have to like when i wake up i have to think about you know i'm waking up and i think to myself like Am I, am I, am I sort of still pretending like I'm fighting the good fight at least, you know, am I still on the right side of the fence? Am I still, and that's mostly because of what's going on and especially with social media, with shit like uh, cancel culture. And we can talk about that if you want later, mm-hmm. but, but just uh, things that the younger generation now is embracing and they're sort of, they're sort of dictating how this is going to go now, which I'm fine with. Like, I, I know I'm, I'm an old guy that's just going to always well, be in the way of fight. It's also what we were. Yeah, but I well, yeah, I guess I guess I mean, you're we right. Didn't, we didn't have the mechanics available to us, and information didn't come as fast, and neither did neither did course correction because you step out of line in the social social networking age, and people beat the toxicity right out of you. Yeah, well, and that was the thing we didn't have the social media stuff to deal with, so we so like like call it culture to me. Like growing up, I was always taught never snitch, you know, so the idea of doxing, even even the, mm-hmm. the hard, the most hard, hardcore Nazi motherfucker, you right. know, the, the idea of posting some dude's address and, you know, calling his work mm-hmm. never occurred to me because I just was always taught, like, don't tell, you know, never, never tell mm-hmm. on somebody. If, if, if you can't deal with, with yourself, which I'm not, I was never like an aggressive, violent guy, but if you can't deal with it yourself, just don't don't you know put the word out and tell everybody else about it and now that's what everybody does that's what that's how we're that's how revolution is kind of you know happening a little bit i have mixed feelings on it too yeah i I, i'm not i I, like i'm used to it now i'm and i've I've talked to younger friends who i i started i used to for a while i was mouthing off about it i was just like that's bullshit man you know like fucking that's just like snitching you know but now I kind of know better because I know that it's going to be a debate that I don't really want to sit and have, or I don't want to spend that much time doing it. And I, I can't say that it's wrong. I mean, like with the Me Too movement, I think it's done a lot of good. There's, there's stuff involved with it maybe that people don't agree with and think that it's people have gone overboard. But I think it, it, was, it was time. The guys were called out for the world shit is better, that the world, the world is better for it, but there's no doubt. There's no doubt it's a hot potato. Even, yeah, you know, for sure. Yeah. A thing that I think about um, is dumb, stupid shit that was part of the first generation or two. I guess that'd be second generation. But of punk rock, different shock tactics and everything else. Yeah. The context is completely lost on people who were born 30 years after. Them, yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's not that it should be absolutely forgiven. Maybe we shouldn't have been that young and dumb. But there were probably things that scribbled on my notebooks in 1982. Of course. It would erase any ounce of credibility to anything social i have to say now you know what i mean yeah yeah for sure you know and it's not it's not that i'm justifying it but i honestly believe there's place for context and and, and that's not for it should confederate statues come down fuck yes they should should they be defended right. as heritage 
eat my shit. You know, yeah. you and I yeah. both been to Berlin. They, they you know, the, yeah. the uh, Reichstag is still there, but every swastika has been blown off it with a bazooka. Yeah, you know, for sure. But yeah, but pretending, maybe on an individual level or within the sphere of the counterculture, pretending we used to be somebody we weren't. That's credit that's not earned, and that's disgrace that we weren't aware of. It was a level of education that we hadn't experienced. Yeah, 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 cool. that's true. And it's uh, that kind of what I said earlier, where I said sometimes I wake up and I have to double check myself and say, you know, am I on the right side? You know, am I on the right side? Uh, that part of that is for years, and maybe you feel this way too, but for years I always kind of thought, um, yeah, I'm just a fucking loud mouth who's just, who's just trying to figure out a way to not be uh, bummed out throughout life because my i grew up in a fairly sketchy not terribly healthy and i didn't have a great childhood and i watched all anybody that i knew from that time just are dead or ended up going to you know prison or join the military and coming out even more fucked up Uh, so i always kind of think like well you know i'm on the right side of the fence politically you know I, i i've always been involved in you know uh supporting causes and and doing benefits and everything but now it's it's kind of like i i at, the, at all the times leading up to now i thought shit you know I, you know I, i'm 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 on the right side of the fence now i kind of go shit i i don't know if i'm viewed as an ally i don't know how important it is to be be, be my age and have people view me as an ally. You know, maybe there yeah. really is a lane that I should be in or a lane but, that we should be in. <laughs> there was a you phrase know? that I used to think was a cop-out that I used to read It's cheap to me that I place higher stock in now, and that's don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Say it again? You know, Say it again. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. In other words, how often, how often, does, how often does the right side of history decrease its number through being hypercritical? Oh, you know, yeah, in other words, how yeah. often how often do we end up thinning our own herd in ways that we'll probably regret decades from now? You know? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and, and I think that's going on a lot, you know, like even with this, uh, you know, this shit, if I let myself, I, I can easily fall into some stupid discussion with uh, over Joe Biden, for instance. And I've mm-hmm. been I've been and, and admittedly, I've been petty, like especially online where I'll I'll do the fucking hashtag blue no matter who. And I because I know mm. it's going to get under the skin of certain people. And, and then I'm like, why am I doing this? You know, oh, dude, can it's I- going to be it's the cornerstone <laughs> of my conversation with Russ Rankin. That's why we're going to go at it on here. <laughs> I can't wait for that. That'll be really good. Yeah, right. Because and, and, and actually, Russ and I have had this discussion and, and, and it's never been it's always been respectful. But I just feel like at this point we're so bad off and we're so the country so needs and i and, and like for me to vote I, for me to vote for joe biden uh i mean i was excited about to, to vote for obama twice i was excited right. to vote for clinton twice you know there was a sense that uh people that were actually close to my age or you know not at not just some old white you know dude that's 80 or whatever mm-hmm. you know but uh we we just need something we need something quick i think and for for the right. next for generations to come and I don't have kids, so I don't really have to worry about it too much. It's like, I'm not concerned for, you know, what the world's going to be like because I've got a kid that's going to, you know, but I, I do want better for young people, you know, right. and it, it's just, I can't imagine. And maybe, you know, Biden, I'll tell you, I can't watch Biden talk for very long without starting to get that sort of like, Oh dude, man, <laughs> they, they really, he, he just, he does well, speak. His age. He lo- he's, well, there's he does two see. things about Biden. Okay, somebody called me out on Facebook, which I think is the old people's venue anyway, apparently. <laughs> but uh, 
Somebody called me out on Facebook and sent me all these well-researched arguments that he actually has a stammer. He actually has a clinical speaking right. speech impediment, yeah. which I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, and it made I, me feel it made me feel bad for kind of tearing a new, a new asshole over his delivery, right? Yeah. Um, there's in, a YouTube. He does. There's an ad for for he that, that it pops up on before so many videos. It's either the the Trump, you know. Is Trump, you know, the guy you're going to vote for is, is mm-hmm. Biden, but he he comes on and he goes, "Hey folks, I just want to," and he, and I don't, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he just it's, it, within the first line, and it gets on my, it fucking drives me nuts every single time. I have to quickly like stop the bad because I'm like, you're just proving that you're too old to be doing this, and you're like all we have right now, you know. But, well, he yeah. had the moment where he was doing good, just speaking like a decent human about the pandemic on on the national airways last week. And then when he yeah. took a Q&A, he made it crystal clear that he doesn't have an up-to-date enough perspective yeah. to grasp that Columbus is not a remembrance to be protected. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that, that, that was a bummer for me because it was like, I, 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 go into this, I go into this November knowing that I'm going to vote for the lesser of two evils. Yeah. And that a lot of people, a lot of people don't agree with that. It's two things. It goes back to that whole, it's not easy to make Nixon look like a saint. And it's not me and it's, you know a world gone so far sideways that Mitt Romney will march with Black Lives Matter. You know, <laughs> things are things are off the rails. We're not talking about getting a, a run-of-the-mill Republican out of the office. You know, yeah. I have, I am in close proximity and in affectionate space with with, with, with registered Republicans. Yeah. We do not see eye to eye on that. Yeah. But I understand their being, their background, their motivation, and they've allowed the ship to sail on Trump. We're not dealing with ousting a run-of-the-mill Republican. This is about not clearing the path, not clearing the path to four more years with a madman, in my opinion. Yeah. This is a man with no sense of borders, no sense of decorum. Yeah. You know? I don't know oh. what he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's just, he's, he's insane. I don't know what's going on, man. I don't know how you, that, I, I don't know how a, a guy like that gets, vet, you know, I, th- I always thought there was some, there had to be some sort of vetting process. I always thought they've got to go through, if, if it takes, you know, what it takes for me to just go get a job at, you know, Lyft, driving for Lyft or Uber, you have to go through some crazy, you know, thing that takes weeks to get a job doing that. How, how, is, how is it that the president can just... <laughs> Dude, they can have video of him eating baby harp seals with a plastic spoon. And yeah. it would just, you know, four years ago would have just driven his poll numbers. There was, yeah, yeah, he yeah. was the perfect, he perfectly facilitated a, back, a, the, a backlash against, the first, against eight years of the first black, black president. Yeah. Don't see any need to overcomplicate it. Yeah. You know, for a huge demographic, it was like, okay, we're done with that shit. Yeah. You know, there's more yeah. to it for some, and those are sort of the people I was describing a minute ago. So a little ways back, you started alluding to your mom and yeah. uh, to your upbringing and things. So I want to kind of get into seven seconds, and I'll share with you a conversation I had with a member of my, of my own band yesterday when I told him I was going to be doing this. He said, you, you used to go to Fenders, which was one of the grisliest places on the West Coast, and different factions be bashing different bands and different fandoms or whatever. And then you'd get to the point in the night that was seven seconds set and suddenly everybody was everybody's friend and everybody was on each other's shoulders. Now we both agree that's a little bit of a hyper romanticism, but it was a fact. And you come into this even a few years before me when it was even more savage and more nihilistic, which makes it an even older move to have sort of come with the palm of your hand instead of the knuckles. Where do you think that came from? I, I, I'm not really sure. I think I think um, I think it's just because back then we 
we might have been the, you know one of the earlier bands the, the, you know a band that claimed uh, i mean we we call ourselves a hardcore band but that's because we just we we love we are punk rockers but we loved the fact that like i remember talking to joy shithead from joy shithead from doa and they were i was talking to him about the hardcore word and the term and he had this whole and i don't remember exactly what it was but he had this whole philosophy and i thought it was really cool and i thought yeah that makes sense um but for me it was always like i just i, I as, as much as i loved bands like the pistols and even black flag the you know bands that were fairly you know dark and lyrically you know and mm-hmm. and, and, and and kind of nihilistic whatever uh, mm-hmm. i love those bands but i but i was coming I, I felt like i was already coming trying to i was trying to escape that world like my i just wanted to get out of being a teenager and i wanted to be an independent human adult human so i could try to fend for myself i wasn't able to do that very well as a kid you know and i i you know my mom raised three kids by herself and it just was uh it just felt like if I don't do something right now, it, I always say that discovering punk rock was the perfect timing for me because I just, I really had nothing else. I couldn't figure out, I wasn't good in school. I wasn't good with, with girls. I wasn't good. I, you know, I just wasn't, I hadn't found anything. And, and all I could think of was being, I love music, but I loved, you know, fucking Led Zeppelin and Aerosmith and I was never going to be there. You know, it, were you it, always it just, kind of a, if it's broken, you know, if you need something fixed, you fix it yourself type person. I think I just learned to be like that because that's what my mom did, you know, and, and at an early age, like I, I started working because I needed to help her with rent and stuff like that. So I did have a sense of like trying to make life better, whatever it meant. But I also grew up partially in Reno, Nevada, which at the time was just, uh, just awful. It was an awful place for young people. Now it's fine. You know, Reno's got a pretty happening. It, it's cultural up there, but back, growing up then it was like, now Orange County is horrible. But anyway, uh-huh. now Orange County is horrible. Well, it's, but, but, it's always been Nixon and Reagan country, right? But, but look, look, so think now about it's the, on the sidewalks, and it's openly hateful, right? But, but think when about I was a the, kid, the Metzgers and the Warskins and people like that. Oh yeah, they yeah. hid in the, shed, they hid in the shadows. Yeah. No, now, 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 now that's that's a voting block. Yeah, in Orange yeah. County, you know, which is why probably. You know, you guys had one of the best musically. You had one of the best <laughs> scenes. You know, like all the some of the best music ever made was coming out of there. You know, mm-hmm. but but yeah, I don't know. I just uh, I think like um, uh, uh, what was the question again? <laughs> so you were you were talking about how how bad Reno was was at the time. Oh, it was just there was nothing there. It was wasteland, and 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 I had I remember uh, I I turned eighteen, and I had two friends that, that that getting ready to turn eighteen or turning eighteen, and their goal was to join the the army and they kept trying to get me to register like let's all go in the army and i was like man i can't i can't do it i haven't even started living my life yet you know and uh and i just um i had a i had a point and then i fucking i lost it but yeah i don't know i just i feel like it's it's just um um punk rock was uh it was very negative and and as much as i loved it i also didn't want to just i didn't feel like i'd be good at adding to it and i also was just trying to figure out a way to Make, convince myself that I wasn't just some, a lot of my friends were into drugs, you know, mm-hmm. you know, drinking. Uh, a lot of friends were just, just straight up, ra- they were raised by shitty parents and they were racist mm-hmm. and treated girls like shit. And I never really had, I think I was too sensitive, you know, I was a little too sensitive for, for my own good. And so I think that just, uh, when I started to think I could write a song, I just wanted to make sure that I conveyed uh, as angry as I was and as, as potentially, I mean, I, you know, used to fucking put my fist through walls and you know what I mean? I was going right. through a lot of crazy shit. I, I just wanted to, f- 
I wanted to fix, start fixing myself at an early age. I would, and, and that's the best I can put well, it. To your, I mean, to your credit, and I know you've heard this a million times, but I would like to think you and I are, are capable enough of dialogue that you would take me seriously on this. Simple fact of the matter is if you weren't like that, thousands of people's lives would be very, very different. You know, so I, th I thank you for it, whether or not you, you, you know how to do the genealogy on it or not. No, um, I appreciate it. Yeah, so no, that thank said, you. how long a run exactly was seven seconds actively? Uh, we made it. We got to our 38, 38 years. And then, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I, I'm almost more pissed. I'm almost My ex-wife is still not 38. <laughs> All right. This is over. No. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I mean, you know, yeah, at 38 and uh, – and honestly, I, we, we could have, I mean, it's, I'm not saying it would have been pretty, but we could have uh, kept going because we were mm -hmm. the tour. We were still touring and we were still loving the shit out of it. You know, we were still going mm -hmm. to Europe. We, we'd gone to South America a few times uh, and the, even the U.S. stuff, all these friends of ours that are in bands that go over and headline, you know, fucking massive festivals and play in front mm -hmm. of thousands who can't pack, a, you know, can't pack 300 kids in a club in, in, in America uh, you know, who basically said, why are you guys still touring America? And we're like, we're still having, it's going well. That's, that's we're doing a reality okay. that escapes a lot of people. The festival culture and yeah. the, you know, heap 20 big ones, heap 20 big ones in one giant field is not the same as being able to draw 10,000 by yourself. Right. Yeah. 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 You're, you're, you're giving me a perfect in for something I wanted to ask you about. But, okay. Over the course of the 30 year, 38 years, and in year 38, which what, what year did you, I remember, everybody remembers the day you guys broke up because the internet was suddenly just clogged with the seven seconds logo. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was a very different animal by that year. How, yeah. stra how strange was that? You know, because I, I would come in and out musically and keep trying to break these new acts yeah. into, into a room where the wall or the size of the door or whatever was increasingly higher, increasingly thick, you know. Right it straight through in the front row must be an odd perspective. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, we were, we get, uh, it was getting more and more uh, people would come up to us, young people would come up to us and say, hey, man, I, you know, great set. I really enjoyed it. And, and I just, just to, just to hear them say it, I'd say, you know, you, you're, how old are you? They're ah, 19, 20. I was like, how the hell did you get turned on to us? And every time they said it was their parents, they had parents that, loved us and grew up with us and it's kind of so odd. it's very odd and and to a certain extent it's it's you know there's times i let myself think like this is just gross like we're just mm -hmm. you know we're, we're doing the people were showing up at the shows with every record we had just so they could sign it because it might be the last tour which it could have easily been the last tour anytime but yeah it, you're in a different now you're in a whole different thing you last know and, time you and i played together i didn't bug you for a copy of leave a light on and now it exists only on spotify for me so yeah. they were right. They were right to get that goddamn record on <laughs> Well, yeah, but you know, you know how there's also the fucking eBay fucking discogs. Right. You know, the people that they go out and buy five copies of everything because they really just want to try to make money. I don't even give a shit. That's fine too. But, but yeah, it was an odd place. And and I, I, our whole thing was is that I, I my brother Steve and and I and Troy especially. Our whole thing was like, look, let's just do this as long as we like each other. I don't, I don't want to be in a fucking, I don't want to be miserable. But in the a news band. flash is you don't like each other anymore. Okay, I, no, yeah, that's I'm, the, the, I mean, sorry. we shouldn't like each other because we're okay. all fucking different. But uh, and I mean, we all drive each other crazy. Don't get me wrong, but there was just a, a still a, a, just being able to get on stage together and and I, I'm sure people 
went and saw us and said, Jesus Christ, why don't these guys give it up? Look at them. They look like, you know, but I think overwhelmingly we, it, we weren't fucking, we weren't faking it. It wasn't like mm -hmm. we were doing it for the money. We've all worked jobs our the entire time mm -hmm. we were, we've been a band so, and, and not, we have, there's no problem with that. You know, I'd rather, mm -hmm. but it reminds me of a Tim Yohannan conversation I had where he was, he was upset because he, I, we were at Max and Rock and Roll, the old Max and Rock and Roll house. And he says, mm -hmm. so what do you, what do you plan on doing? And I was like, ah, just be in my band. He's like, you're going to try to make a living with your band. And I'm like, yeah. And he was just fucking he was pissed. Yeah. He was just like, no man, it's just not honest. You know, you always keep a job. And then that way, you know, you do this for the love of it. And I'm like, yeah, but it is for the love of it. You know, it was I, so incredibly dogmatic. <laughs> and then at the same time, like by the time he, by the time he bowed out, and I don't mean actually bowed out, but I mean, when he was really passing Max and Rock off, he was basically in love with retro faux 60s garage <laughs> and wasn't even covering hardcore in the magazine. I, I, I never yeah. understood that. But, you know, we're yeah. all individuals. We all have our own path. I mean, the guy, yeah. I'm grateful to the guy for the role he played in my life, but not Absolutely. everybody I interview is going to bring up Timmy O'Hannon. <laughs> no, no. Well, I used to, when I remember when we first started meeting guys like uh, Agnostic Front and Murphy's Law mm -hmm. and those guys on the East Coast, they all they all would ask me, so what's this fucking Tim Yohanna guy? He seems like a dick, you know? And I'm like, yeah. nah, you just have to know Tim, you know? And, but every East Coast person was just like wanting to know what oh, his I deal remember, was. Oh, I remember. I remember the clear divide was agnostic, <laughs> agnostic front or maximum rock and roll. Yeah. You know, and yeah, you, did not your, you did not mix your chocolate with your peanut butter back then. He called, he called me long distance. We were on tour in, I guess it was 84, and we were playing a show that's – the flyer itself is legendary because it's just a it – was, it was us, Agnostic Front, Murphy's Law, and it's – it's, The big flyers, soup of skinheads down at the bottom? Exactly. It's, yeah. just a, it's, a, it's a row, a circle of skinheads. We ended up not doing the show because we, we, we missed our we – we had a matinee – we had a show in Boston the night before, and we, then we had the matinee show, and we were still pups. We had no idea – like you could, you're not supposed to sit around and wait till the very last minute to get out the freeway and get to the next city. But yeah, we, um, Tim called me at the friends that we were staying with in Boston. He's like, are you really playing with agnostic front? You know, they're white power. Right. And I'm like, no, nah, man, you know, we've talked to that. We've talked with them and stuff. We've been writing letters. And he's like, no, 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 they're a national, the white national band. And da, 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 da. It, was like, it was just, just, uh, he was pissed because they had the American flag, uh, the backdrop, you know, oh, that was, I, I remember that was, that's all right. in that, all that, 83, 84, 85 controversy is right, is right in my ripe years. That's yep. 85, I think, was the first time you and I met. And, wow. You know, truthfully, the conversations have been more real as adults. You got, I know you, you have 8 million people that you have sort of this level of, of loose connection with in the world. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, it's funny because that's an era that people who were there still remember it with remarkable specificity. Yeah. You know? The yeah. early and mid '80s, definitely. For sure. um, so, in talking about Seven Seconds, uh, <clears throat> uh, and talking about the festival, talking about festival reality, talking about the way the animal had changed and everything else, I perceive you guys by the time you wrapped up as, and I don't know which specifically ones you were playing, but more or less capable of the Gros Rock Eperfest punk rock bowling circuit. You know, at whatever level and whatever size type, you know. Yeah. One's band is lucky to fall into. What I noticed, and we just we did a satellite non-sanctioned show during punk rock bowling a few years back. Um, it's a different size animal, and it's a different level of attention. I don't know if I'd say a community, but I didn't grow up in a punk rock that could take over whole towns. Yeah. Right? yeah. And then to just stop and go back to you and your guitar. There had to be some culture shock. 
Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. But the the other thing is that I had started doing that solos thing so long before I started doing it on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Like I was playing open mics and right. when I first moved to Sacramento, and I was I was get, kind of getting more involved in the singer songwriter stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it it's it's uh, I always liked that I had both. You know, like mm-hmm. I go and play at somebody's fucking basement for. 15 people with acoustic guitar and they pass around the hat and then yeah we're over it we're playing gross rock and there's you know 15,000 people oh, I, was, whatever. I was with a group of drunk Germans who stumbled away from my fest to see you play in I remember in Berlin yeah, yeah and I'm going to tell you every one of us in the room felt sainted you know that was being that was that, being, at, being at that one not being at not being at the not being at the the cortex stage but yeah know, where you guys are playing later where you guys, where you guys are playing. I remember cause I went and saw you guys. Mm-hmm. We walked over there mm-hmm. and uh, just that, just, I stood, remember sta- standing behind you guys on that mm-hmm. stage and just seeing for miles, you couldn't see anything but people. And I was just going, Holy you know, shit. You know, I'm not convinced that everybody who gets to play, play those things realizes that's not about them. <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That yeah. man couldn't have filled a motor home and here we are in front of 10,000 people. You but know? you guys were fucking killing it and, and the Thanks. kids were going nuts. And it was like, I remember just going, like, I remember my friend Alex, who was, I was, who was driving me around. I was just like, this is fucking, I don't know if these guys would ever get a chance to do this kind of shit over in Absolutely the States. Absolutely under no circumstances fucking up. Right. It but and nobody would, who would, except for, you know, fucking rise against or somebody but yeah i mean that was so impressive and i was so pumped when i had to go back and play that little dark <laughs> club and do my acoustic thing and that when was, you guys all showed up that was hilarious. that was that, that actually was, that was that was the better part of that night um really simplistic question but i noticed i had it on my notes they're two very different animals like we just said do you prefer one over the other uh you know, I I still I I love getting up with the microphone and and doing my doing this shit. I love it. I like I I miss it. I miss. Uh, I hate that I'm old enough and out of shape enough now to where I can't move the way I used to be able to. I mean, I can, but I I'm gonna always hurt myself. You know, to, to, in the last two years of seven seconds, uh, on stage twice. I one I a big festival in in Quebec. Uh, I. Uh, tore my uh calf muscle my left calf muscle yeah. the second song into it uh and then the fo- like a few months later we played the roxy it was the last time we played an la yeah. show and fucking uh a torn meniscus <laughs> you know and it's just it just just from moving stupidly on stage you know well, with me it's always my back but i get it yeah well I, I, right now i've got uh, i've been i've spent a week with this crazy fucking pain i've got in my shoulder and my back um and it just I, you know i keep saying to my wife it's like if i was like i remember when i used to do you know i'd get a pain when i was in my 20s even 30s and i'd just shake it off and the next day i'd be fine you know mm-hmm. you just can't do that shit but it's also like uh there's something about getting i when i travel for the solo stuff i travel alone mostly unless i'm out with like a uh, steve soto or kevin mm-hmm. Dooley, you know and we're usually sharing they're in my van but there's something about just driving by myself mm-hmm. Stopping what I want. I like being early. I hate being late for shows. Seven seconds was notoriously like fucking around to the various, you know, really? leaving the hotel. Oh my God. It was just unbearable. Like I'd be in the, if, if I wasn't driving, I'd be in one of the bench seats just going, fuck this. I can't say no more. This is it. This is it. You know? Right. So, but, but uh, yeah, there's something to be, we, the last few years of our band life, we were, playing in front of more people and made making way more money than we ever imagined making like the offers that we'd get to go play, 
you know, Brazil or fucking whatever. Right. And, and it, it, so there's that element. And there's just the, the fact that it's nice to kind of, to know that if you're, you're, you know, your name's on a flyer and it's on the fucking marquee or whatever, people are actually going to come out and make an effort. Whereas like with the solo stuff, people are like, yeah, I've seen him do his thing. It's not, you know, he doesn't play seven second stuff. He doesn't, you know, and I get it. I get all of it. <laughs> but I, but I, I, you know, like the thing is, is I, 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 I never wanted to play seven second song on acoustic guitar. It doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to me, you know? Right. And whenever I, when I've, the few times I've done it and because somebody asked me to play, play trust, I do it. And I can just tell that we're both thinking the same thing, which is like, yeah, this isn't a good idea at all. This what is... the fuck have I done? <laughs> so here's something that's occurring to me. Um, and I'm glad, you know, you and I did this, this, this as my first episode. I thank you for that. It's very comfortable yeah, for me, right? I had told myself I was going to keep these to a half hour. So I think we've probably shredded that. Yeah. Um, or not, who knows, my sense of time could be off, but I realize you and I could enjoy probably talking for another 45 <laughs> minutes to an hour. I'm sure, So in yeah. the event that I keep doing this, I, could I get a commitment out of you to do another one sometime? Of course, yeah. I, I, okay. I always, I always, I mean, we don't, I, I, we don't get to talk enough and I always enjoy hanging out and, right. you know, you're, you're, you're one of the people in the, from our little community world that I, I, I have a great deal of respect. I have a, I, don't i mean i have a lot of respect for a lot of people but i i, I really don't uh, take it back don't take <laughs> it away from me <laughs> but i but i but i trust where you're going with things and and you know i like i, I like the way you, i like the way you put your thoughts into words especially on social media i think it's thank you it's important and it does inspire me it ma- makes me want to be less of a not that you're like mr raw raw positive guy but it actually cheers me up and i know you're not trying to cheer anybody up <laughs> necessarily well, an interesting thing you if i post something after about 11 p.m at night it's usually mean as a snake and doesn't survive till morning because right. my conscience gets the better of me <laughs> you know so i'm yeah. an online saint but I, gen- I genuinely appreciate that it comes from a source that i respect um i'm gonna kill the record in just a second if you want to call me or anything you know okay. to, with any questions about this that'd be great but that is episode one of Dan Says So with the perfect person to do it. So thank you, Kevin. Of course. Thank you, man. All right. I'm going to hit that button. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.